Hello, my name is Jessica Owen and I am the Deputy Digital Editor at WTIN and this is the WTIN Podcast. Join me over the next few weeks as I'm joined by an array of guests as we talk about the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and how the textile and apparel industry is responding. Today, I am joined by Sean Kerrigan, who is the Director of Communications and Media Relations at IDANA, which is the international association serving the non-wovens and related industries. Sean talks about the unprecedented increase in demand for non-wovens and also how self-sufficient local production will be crucial moving forward. Good afternoon, Sean, and welcome to the WTIM podcast. Now, it's great to have a chance to speak with you today. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, Now, the non-wovens industry has probably never been as highly valued as it is right now. I mean, non-woven materials are needed to produce face masks and other PPE. And so they're incredibly important at the moment. So considering that Adana is a voice of non-wovens, essentially, how have the last few weeks been for you guys? Um, it really indeed has been new ground and uh, and you're right in saying that it's been an enormous amount of attention in our sector that we, we haven't seen before from areas we haven't seen before uh, and there's been a demand for, for the raw materials and end products um, that is, is really unprecedented. Uh, you know, our industry, we've been used to stable, rather long-term demand uh, and now all of a sudden we see that these are valuable commodities and we're in an essential sector um, mm. in the fight against the pandemic. It's, it's really, it has raised the profile and has shone a light on on the benefits of of a lot of, of the non-woven applications. Mm, definitely. Um, and so how has the organi- organisation itself been impacted? I mean, I already know that some of your events have either been postponed or cancelled. And I think actually only this week you announced that Outlook is going online. So how have you been dealing with all that? Absolutely. Uh, I think similar to, to a lot of companies and organisations, we've had to, in the first instance, get used to uh, working from home. Uh, and then as an association, that's very dependent uh, a big advocate of of networking within our industry and valuable face time. We've had to readjust um, some of our face-to-face meetings with our, our own internal member working groups and, of course, our events. Uh, we run a number of events, uh, maybe six to seven to ten events sometimes per year. Uh, mm. And, indeed, we've had to look at all, online alternatives uh, and explore how we can still run these events and offer uh, the best insights and the best platform from knowledge exchange while doing it in a virtual world. So this, again, this is new ground for, for a lot of people. I think we're lucky in that people are getting used to having virtual meetings now. How it will take the place of an actual conference uh, remains to be seen. Uh, but we are very much getting used to a, a virtual world now. But it has affected the way we work and the way that we deliver a lot of our services. Uh, mm. We run training courses as well, for example, and people used to come to our offices in Brussels. And they were great networking opportunities, but they're also very valuable um, face-to-face educational opportunities. And now we're running those online, which can allow for a bit more of a, a pre-read culture, a bit more of an exchange prior and post, but nothing will replace, of course, the, the actual real-life uh, opportunities that a classroom can offer and site visits and so on. Uh, so hopefully mm. we get back to those 
in, in the short to medium term. Mm, yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, now, I'd like to talk about the future for non-wovens later on. But firstly, do you mind just giving me a bit of insight into the industry at the moment? So, I mean, you've already said that it's definitely raised the profile for non-wovens. But I mean, I imagine demand must have soared. And so how are companies coping with that? Is there the capacity to cope with that? Um, it really is uh, unprecedented. The demand for the products, uh, as I said before, is really quite new. We've had stable, well-established supply lines with with predictable demands and well-known export and import routes, uh, well-established. You know, the past couple of decades, we've seen Asia as a producer grown quite considerably uh, and, you know, companies are planned accordingly. And now because they're so essential um, in the fight against the, the, the virus with face masks, personal protective equipment, medical equipment and wipes. And they're really relevant to the effort. So the availability of these products is really quite essential. And we have seen uh, bottlenecks in in, in the supply chain, Uh, starting with the very base raw material. uh, Meltblown was very, very much in demand and, and couldn't meet, the supply couldn't meet the demand needed. And... The converters as well also had trouble getting it, uh, and there wasn't enough local converting capacity either within within Europe in, in particular. Uh, a lot of this was previously uh, produced abroad. So we have seen quite rapid uh, changes, uh, and we know that the production of the European production of Melblone alone is is already predicted to triple within this year. So from early 2020, March 2020 or so, toward October, November, within that time frame, uh, we know uh, that the mobile production will, will, will triple. So it has been challenging, but companies in the industry have been reacting as fast as we can and knowing that there's a, a priority for there to be um, local production and not be so dependent on imports. I, I think, you know, we push capacity but self-sufficiency is really going to be, it's going to be crucial. Uh, and the role of industry aligning with authorities is really quite important here to ensure that we have uh, the open uh, supply chain that we need. Mm. Well, that was a question I wanted to ask you, actually. I mean, do you think that Europe is able to produce enough of its own PPE? Or do you think we do rely on um, places like Asia, for example, just too much? Um we know that we, we, we can't produce enough of our own uh, as yet. Uh, despite all the, all the moves we're making, it's, it'll still take a bit of time. Um, if supply chains are, are re-established um, uh, and we can, we can ensure that the flow is maintained, we, we should be able to manage it. But I still, I still think there will be a shift in focus to more self-sufficient local production, uh, and, that's, and that's quite needed. Mm. And, and what's the likelihood of that actually sort of taking place? Do you think there are people interested in getting into this sector and helping to meet that demand? Absolutely. You know, where the demand is, there'll be there'll be producers and converters to try and meet it. Uh, and we've seen that from people already established within the industry, uh, and the likes of Innovatech and Berry uh, mm-hmm. and Rikerfil on, on the, the production machinery side uh, have really been intensive in their efforts. We can expect quite a number of new players as well. 
Uh, and there has been, you know, there's been a support from the authorities as well, uh, financial mm. uh, as well, uh, support as well, uh, as uh, regulatory support as well, to try and ensure that self-sufficiency is remains a target aim. So it's it, it's it's not instant. It's something that takes a bit of time. You know, meeting de- demand. It's it's not simply a raw material issue. To install an assembly line can, can take a, a while. Even though I think the turnaround time in those is going down, it's still, it's still a matter of months. There's, there's no mm. tap that you can switch on. Ensuring supply will still take time. But um, I think I think we can we can safely predict. Uh, there'll be solid growth from a European perspective uh, on that. I mean, you also mentioned there about maybe seeing new players. I mean, I actually read an article the other day that described melt-blowing fibres as like the golden fleece at the moment. So has Adana had quite a lot of inquiries about people trying to tap into this market? Uh, We've heard about it rather than have had queries. And I can't think of specific examples that are already up and producing because, as I said, it, it, it takes a matter of months. But mm. we know a lot of people will be looking at it. Uh, and mm. there are requests, we, you know, there are startups and new ventures that might necessarily have direct experience. And, you know, the, there needs to be a, a realistic expectation on what can be achieved. Uh, and we need to ensure that the knowledge gap there is filled. Um it's not as simple as getting your supply and switching it. If perhaps you're producing other final applications, it's not always such a simple step to switch. You need to make sure you're doing it well. Uh, and supplying, guaranteeing your supply of raw materials is not always going to be easy for a new starter either. Um, and so I also want to talk about sustainability. I mean, you guys help provide the guidelines on the correct disposal of wipes, for example. Um, do you think these guidelines are being followed at the moment? And, and also PPE is mainly for one-time use only. So do you think the environment is going to suffer at all because of this situation? That's right. There has been an exponential rise in the use of a lot of these products. Um, and perhaps the considerations around the proper disposal. Uh, maybe people aren't as aware as they might have been before previously focusing on the health benefits uh, and, and the extra protection these products can bring. Um, and and there, is, there could be a worry that the message around proper disposal and wipes being a very, very important case in point might get lost in, in the wider safety messages. So it's very important that we continue to, to, to beat that drum uh, and as an industry and as an industry association that Adana continues to push out our messaging on responsible disposal. It's, um, it's a very important that message doesn't get lost uh, in the wider use of these products. So moving forward then, do you think this demand will eventually drop or do you think the non-woven PPE and masks is going to become part of our everyday lives in future? I think certainly in the short term we, we can expect that. We've seen uh, the regulations and, and requirements that all member states now uh, are enacting. And the European Commission has already created a strategic common European reserve of medical equipment uh, and personal equipment and, and reusable masks and masks. So we know it's still a focus. We know there's a need. It, definitely in the short to medium term, it, it, won't, be, it won't be going lower at all. Um, 
as a trade association, we, we, we've realized that, our members have realized that. Uh, we've set up a specific dedicated new working group of this, uh, on this. Uh, and one of the missions will be to promote sustainable development and a self-sufficient supply chain for masks and PPE within the EU, because we need to make sure that it's responsibly produced uh, and widely distributed, properly distributed. So I think it's going to be a core focus area for ourselves and for many of our members, because no, indeed, it's certainly in the short to medium term, it's not it's not something we see heading off. I think everybody's going to want to have a mask or a number of masks at home or in work or, or in their car. Um, yeah. And certainly disinfectant wipes and, and the surgical and the medical protective equipment um, will we'll also always have the, the sustained demand for that. Mm, okay. Um, and actually, I don't suppose because obviously there is such a demand for these products, do you think standards will slip at all? Or, I mean, obviously there must be standards that people have to meet, but do you think there are going to be sort of um, some products that sort of just sneak their way in? Um Given the numbers, uh, that, that that's a possibility, but I don't think there'll be any less scrutiny or any um, lowering in the demand or the need for such standards. If anything, there'll be more light shone on the, the base standards. There, there are existing um, standards for mass production that need to be met uh, within Europe to be able to, to be sold, uh, and they're quite stringent. Uh, and if anything, I think we'll see them reinforced as, as more and more people appreciate uh, the benefit of a properly made product uh, versus something that, that is insufficient. Um, so given the total sum numbers and, and, and supply numbers, it, it might be difficult to police all. But if anything, I think there'll be more scrutiny uh, on, on base standards. Okay. Um, and also sort of looking to the future then, is the industry having to consider anything new now that it never really had to beforehand because of the coronavirus situation? Certainly, I think geographies is is, is a main is a main one. You know, as we touched upon before, self sufficient and, and local production will be key, uh, and we're seeing support to encourage this. Uh, we've seen it in Germany where there's a proposed new subsidy scheme. Uh, I think thirty percent of costs in in a meltdown production line, and you know, as I said before, we're looking at a tripling of, of metal production within Europe. So I think that's one of the major uh, changes we'll see, certainly, at localised self-sufficient production. I think mm. um, further efforts to, to ensure capacity as, as well and to ensure that the, the stable demand I spoke of earlier. Now, we, we had the, the peak in demand recently, uh, which was unprecedented and unexpected. But we can predict to a certain degree that this demand will be sustained at that high level, which will provide some degree of reassurance for, for investors and producers uh, as they plan the next 18 to 24 months. Mm. Um, and another thing that I actually wanted to ask you is um, about innovation. I mean, a lot of companies at the moment, whether it's non-wovens or anywhere else in the textile industry, are actually innovating to sort of maybe find solutions for coronavirus. But is that possible in the non-wovens industry or are they having to just be or is all their time just being used up and just trying to meet demand that that's all they can think about? No, I think on the technical side, I think we will see a lot of movement as companies look for efficient alternatives, perhaps even melt blown. 
if uh, supplies there are restricted, uh, and also at lowering lead times uh, to supply a production line. I mean, they're already shrinking. Uh, mm. And I think you can expect a huge amount of R&D looking at this, given the sustained demand uh, and given some of the restrictions on, on certain supply chains and certain raw materials. I think people will be investigating quite uh, intensively on, on innovation and alternates they can they can look at. Right. Okay. And I, I guess that must include things maybe like digitalization. I think that's something that a lot of people have been talking about and it's just a matter of trying to work out how that could benefit them. I think that's right. I think certainly from a logistical point of view uh, and tracking supply lines uh, and routes and ensuring uh, constant distribution, I think that's a key role. Um, there's also a, a talk of, of a knowledge gap in non-wovens uh, and industry in general and trade associations such as our own have a, a quite important role in relaying information on what we've been talking about the supply chain issues production capacity and so on mm-hmm. and just having these resources available on digital platforms um, for authorities uh, and investors as well and, and the general public it, it's quite important for authorities to plan and for people to get a handle on, on the wider picture and what's involved. Um, and, and while we're on the subject, I guess, of digitalization, um, going back to your Outlook event, and that, that's going to be um, delivered online, do you think that that's something you'd ever consider doing permanently or, um, or every few years? Or do you think that's going to stick? Or do you think people would much rather sort of meet in person and get, to, get a chance to attend these events? That's a good question. Um, and, I, and I think proposals such as this predate the current pandemic in any case we we've long heard talk of virtual meetings and the online workspace i don't think anything will replace actual face-to-face time and the, the exponential value you get out of that that said i think definitely in the short term it's an area that will take definitely take a hit um there'll be a certain amount of of fear in in in, in rushing back to that so i think Six to twelve months, we'll be looking at a lot of on, online meetings and, and other digital platforms. Uh, long term, it's hard to say whether it'll be a trend. Um, you know, we've had these capabilities for a long time, but we've still preferred uh, to meet. We've travelled. We travelled prior to the pandemic. We travelled more than ever, uh, mm. and and certainly there was a lot of, of benefit in, in the networking that you'd have at trade shows and conferences, and so on. Uh, People's thinking might take a bit of adjustment because of this forced confinement and because of the amount and success as well of of a lot of the online exchanges we've had over the past few months. But certainly, I think in the short term, we'll see that in the the medium term. Who knows? I don't Mm. know what we can replace uh, the, the meeting and greeting for sure. I agree with you. I imagine it's probably just going to be sort of a mix of the two where digital is appropriate, but then obviously networking and meeting people is very important still. So I imagine it's just going to be a mix of the two in future. So, Sean, lastly, the only question I want to ask you is what will you be personally doing to celebrate once we can all go back to normal? Um, that's, that's a very good question. I think catching up <laughs> with key family members uh, and certain people who had to go through the lockdown on their own, very much looking forward to, to meeting up with them again. Uh, looking forward to taking the kids out of this lockdown routine uh, mm. and being able to expose them 
again to, to all the finer things that life outdoors uh, has to offer. Uh, and funnily enough, um, looking forward to getting back to my office and, mm. and, and meeting colleagues again, because um, I, I think back to the, the value in FaceTime we spoke of earlier, uh, I think that's definitely going to help push things along as well. Mm, definitely. I think that's something we're all looking forward to is just getting a bit more fresh air and getting to meet friends and family again. That'll be great. Now, well, I think that's everything that I wanted to ask you today. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for your insights on everything. Um, and hopefully you can get outside, spend more time with your family very soon. So thank you very much for your time. Excellent. Thank you very much for the invitation, Jess. And uh, I wish you the, the same. Hopefully you get outside as soon as, as, soon as we can. Yeah.